0: Head to nextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps
1: us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch
0: today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We
1: wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011.
0: That's right. Twelve years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week.
1: If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on.
0: That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club.
1: In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer
0: Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least.
1: (laughs) For our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There?
0: We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis' Christmas in July.
1: We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre.
0: And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well.
0: Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at the slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you.
1: So dive in and get your next read today. the slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of
0: podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. In a world where Andy was trapped in a bubble. <laughs> where, where one man
1: teaches another man <laughs> <laughs> what it's, it's like to, to live in, <laughs> in a bubble.
0: Uh...
1: Oh man. Okay,
0: so um what are we what are we talking about tonight? We're we're on another deadline because you want to go uh, do your thing. Right. i, I going to go see Superman. I want to. I'm going to try. It's I'm not it. Superman, it's a Man of Steel. Superman. Every of time Steel. and whenever you say Superman, I I'm supposed it. to scream like a, I'm supposed it. to be a Foley sound. So and we it. never say Superman. We don't acknowledge that that is a word. Why not? Isn't that true that's like in the trailers? I don't when know. she's they're in the I haven't seen it. Talk about the S. Yeah, they're talking about the I'll, S. I'll call it Superman of Steel. Nah, you
1: said Superman. <laughs> Is this like the Knights of Knee? Yeah, yeah. I'm... We are no longer the knights who say knee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're off to see Man of Steel tonight. What are you? Uh, what are you anticipating?
1: I I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big
0: Superman
1: fan. I just feel like I need to go see it. So I, I think I'll enjoy it. The trailers look really fun.
0: All right. Let me tell you. First of all, uh, Chad. Yeah, so the stakes are low for you. I mean, what do you care? Nothing. Yeah, that's true. Nothing. Chad saw it, texted me right away, said, so, so, so good. He loved it. Uh, and so because he did that, Steve came in cosmically unaware of this, <laughs> but but karmically aware and said, meh. Nah. Fifty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Meh <laughs> uh... <laughs> so I have not seen it. I'm just saying uh let Chad and Steve be the angel and devil on your shoulder.
1: <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna picture that the whole time. I want
0: you to. And they're all wearing they're both wearing capes. Capes. But, but no but other I, uniform. But, just like but street clothes. No...
1: There's no S on their chest. No. It's a symbol <laughs> meaning
0: hope. <laughs> or maybe it's, it means hope
1: <laughs> on one side and it means despair on the other. Right.
0: Because it's not an S. We can make it whatever it you want it to be. That's right. It's just a symbol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is The Next Reel, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Uh, you can find us at thenextreel.com. You can head over to facebook.com slash thenextreel and uh, jump in on the conversation on the links that are over there. And uh, you can also find us on iTunes and subscribe for free and get The Next Reel delivered to you every single solitary stinking week. Like a like a virus that just you just can't shake. Fifty-two it times a year. Coming back, it is fifty-two <laughs> times a year. Of year <laughs> in the world. In the world.
1: <laughs> uh, oh uh, yeah.
0: Uh, so th- that's the spirit. Um, what do we have? What other uh, old old business do we have to talk about? Um, uh,
1: did we want to talk at all about this uh, little interesting? Yeah. Spielberg Lucas
0: Yeah what do you think about that So what what boil it down you you write me this cryptic email he said we should talk about this in a world <laughs> where Spielberg and Lucas say that film is imploding
1: the implosion <laughs> of the industry I think it's fantastic I mean it 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 really kind of cracked me up and then immediately after you know a few weeks ago I talked about uh, my buddy Rose who's directing uh, that film
0: that, hor- that horrible, horrible, that horrible movie.
1: That you said looks uh, like something you'll never watch. <laughs> right. Um, uh, Rose immediately said, you know, Spielberg and Lucas talk about it. We're already doing it because they've got their little mindplate.tv yeah. website where they're basically creating movies and putting them up to stream. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is one of those things where, I mean, people are already doing that those big guys on top creating the the 250 million dollar movies uh that um Spielberg was talking about that may potentially not make their money back but completely collapse um those guys haven't been using that model so i mean people are already using that model i think it's interesting and the idea of some of the stuff they were talking about i think um could come to pass and you know maybe it's time for an industry shakeup who knows I believe that we already posted a link. Sarmento posted that link on our Facebook page about how immediately right after that Paramount already was offering a $50 movie ticket for World War Z. I mean, it comes with a lot of stuff. It's not kind of what George Lucas was talking about where different types of movies are going to basically cost different amounts of money, much like concert tickets or something like that. This was actually like a $50 ticket that included like a free poster a free copy of the movie when it comes out on yeah, uh, yeah, streaming yeah. all
0: these extra things, and Which it's I a thought was very dollar
1: value it's a... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought that was very clever, actually, I liked the packaging deal, and i i I didn't I wouldn't buy it, but I liked yeah. the idea of it it's an interesting idea. you really have
1: to buy into the movie before it's even released, yeah, though. yeah, I mean you really have to convince yourself that it's something you're definitely going to want to keep for a for a long time because. Yeah. You're forking out a lot of money for something, and you, uh, with you know, sight unseen, really.
0: I'm not, and I'm not there yet with World War Z, even though I, I am uh, on the record as uh, loving the zombie. The more of the trailer that I see, the more I think this is, this is gonna. I, I don't know if this is gonna be, um, you know, my Chinese food meal. Like I'll really, really love it while I'm seeing it, and then it'll be ultimately, I'll be hungry again in a half hour. Well, you know what I mean. A lot of zombie movies are that way. That's not the truth. That's a lot funny. i didn't say all no you said a lot and that's also not the truth i'd say very few are like that most <laughs> of them are more like a um, a rich uh german meal like a brat and something like knudel an austrian sort of a knudel knudel
1: and a, and a fine beer
0: right a fine uh, yes that's what i'm saying and something with a gravy there would be a substantial gravy <laughs> wow I hadn't thought about zombie films that way, but right? you might be right <laughs> right No, i on this one categorically <laughs> axiomatically right that's where I am on this it's, I will never watch a zombie you know. movie the same let me tell you uh my- th- thoughts on this i you know i I think the convergence of so many things uh so many of these elements in the in the business of broadcast entertainment are uh coming together in a really nice way you know i um I deeply deeply love my Game of Thrones. You're not. You're not finished with that. With season three, I'm,
1: right? I'm not finished with episode one. <laughs> it's what? on my to-do list. I I swear, it's on my to-do list.
0: This is you know only because season three episode nine is yes. uh, the legendary I, episode now. I, oh, it's uh, been only been I, three weeks, and it's the uh, legendary
1: episode. I I I've, I've heard nothing but chatter about it.
0: Would you like to hear what happens exactly? I would tell you right now. I would tell you uh, exactly I, what happens. I'd rather not. I would. T- I would tell you. I think they call I, I this in the would. business. They call this a spoiler. I, I think they would I'd like <laughs> to alert you that I'm about to spoil. No, <laughs> I won't say this. But, but I'm saying, you know, I'm I'm loving the Game of Thrones, and I'm, uh, you know, I love the Battlestar Galactica. I love the, these are the these are what I think of as like tentpole series, you know. Uh huh. And, um, uh, so I I look at these. What the these uh you know major you know, studios are putting toward television, and I think, gosh, you know there is a model in that that I can see that makes a lot of sense where you know i'll I would be willing to pay you know twenty thirty bucks maybe uh, to go see one of these two hundred fifty million dollar blockbusters a, you know fewer times a year, but the expectation is that you know I'm getting higher quality television on a uh you know higher quality media on a smaller screen um you know more frequently and i'm seeing that you know i'm seeing the the quality of effects the quality just the general believability of these universes that i think these are are coming out right now is um uh, exacerbating that um that trend accelerating that trend
1: and i think it will only continue yeah. i mean there's so many sources now web uh, all the variety of webisodes. I mean, even YouTube is right. is becoming its own sort of source. They're putting source.
0: so much money into getting these yeah. young, this young production talent who, you know, has been able to avail themselves of, uh, you know, computer power and mm-hmm. applications that are, you know, just fighting their way to the to the price floor, um, and uh, and they're able to do some just amazing stuff. So I yeah. I think it's great. Um, and you know there are all sorts of challenges that come in with that if you want to try and Oh sure. Get I in mean this it, business. It's a lot of signal to noise. It's going
1: to make a a big change in the industry and I think for some of the young people breaking in who are really going to be adept at navigating the multi-tiered platform attack that you're really going to have to take with things I I think you know people will really have a good understanding of how to jump in and do all of that. Right. The um in you know Spielberg might be right there may have to be a couple really big tentpole films things like after earth that cost you know hundreds of millions of dollars whatever it is and completely bomb at the box office not bringing in any money and just become something that is a a sign for times to change
0: right did you see after Earth? i still haven't yeah sign of the times right there me neither yeah
1: you know, maybe I'll rent it down the road, but it's nothing I'm going to be putting at the top of my queue. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: yep. Uh, temple movies, like my first trailer. Oh yeah. Uh, the evening. This one, we I, I had to actually call dibs because I knew you were hungry for it. Hungry. <laughs> I was. I was. I was about to bite. <laughs> I uh, I called dibs on the Hobbit number two, the Desolation of Smaug what do you think of it i i'll tell you this is uh this is the second of the three part hobbit trilogy um and uh it, i you know i was not crazy about the hobbit the first time i saw it uh i saw it as as i am again on the record uh 48 frames per second imax like the the full blown thing right and uh 3d and i thought it was terrible i thought it was totally distracting i have since picked it up for the home collection and i like it much more it's it, not.
1: It, it it feels better. It now, feels right?
0: so much better. So yeah. so so much better. And uh, um, and and so I'm. I, I was pleased uh, with the film. I am still disappointed that he broke it up into into you know these three giant epic films. I don't know. I mean, watching the trailer and tell me if you're if I'm completely nuts on this. I'm. There are a few scenes that really remind me of uh, the Hobbit uh, as I know it. But much of it is just like what movie is this? like what is this possibly about there i thought
1: there was quite a bit from the book
0: well the, like it, no, the barrels, in the barrels river, in river, and the river and the
1: spider and the, the spider the was ground. there
0: there's a lot more just sort of like crazy crazy elfin running and uh like i and I, you know i guess i wanted maybe more more dragon more um you know of the, well, the lake men and
1: it's uh, it's a very early trailer i think they're very uh, carefully keeping as much of
0: the because dragon. It, it the doesn't come out until oh. Christmas. Christmas. I think it's the Christmas, Christmas one. Christmas of this year. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but I am still. But I'll tell you, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm actually excited to see it, and and I will probably again. You know, speaking of these tentpole tentpole movies, I will again see it uh, in the IMAX, you know, 48 frames or by then it'll be 57 frames per second, I guess. But, (laughs) um, you know, I'll see it in the big, just to see if they've, you know, figure some things out or you're a
1: bigger man than I, I will see it in 24 frames 2D 2D. (laughs) and I will enjoy it because I, I so hated my experience in 48 frames per second. Have you
0: seen the Hobbit since? Have you seen part one since?
1: I haven't, Mm -hmm. I haven't, but I've thought about it a lot. And I, well that My, count that counts yeah, totally it counts. It totally can. it's like watching it again, right? I but I I I really think I enjoy the idea of breaking into three stories now and I think one of the reasons is because I always felt and this is something that came up when we talked about the movie I always kind of felt like the dragon was the end of the film. Like I I remember that animated version from the 70s. That was kind of what I grew up on before I read the book. I saw that And it always felt like the bit with Smaug was kind of the end of the story. And then there was always that battle at the end. And it always kind of seemed like some battle that was tacked on. I was like, I don't know what that is really for. And I think Peter Jackson's kind of recognized that and realized, you know, I've got to put more into these first two to really make that whole battle at the end of the third or which is really the third film it needs to have more weight to actually have it make sense once the smog bit is done to to feel like a climax to feel like there it's not just some bit that's tacked on that doesn't fit and so i think that's a big reason why they broke it into 3 and i think that's why we're getting so much more with with gandalf and you know the guy with yeah. the bird nest on his head rabagast or whatever,
0: <laughs> Rad-a-gast. Or whatever Rabagast. rabagast <laughs> <laughs> Radagast
1: uh, you know Rudolph and they're because we get those bits of them going to that I don't know that deserted castle and that was you know With I do
0: necromancer know. and yeah. making a big deal about that Yeah,
1: right right who's uh, who is con I found out
0: yeah yeah well it's <laughs> and, and also Smaug uh-huh. the good Mr. Cumberbatch yep Yeah. Uh okay, so anyway, exciting trailer though. Radagast the Brown. Mm-hmm. What
1: would your wizard color be?
0: Puce. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I just just whipped that right out. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Let's talk about um. Uh, let's talk about your trailer because this was this was the trailer. This was your uh. Oh, I i didn't get The Hobbit, so I'm going for this. And I think we've both totally fallen in love with this this movie.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it is the wonderfully fun trailer for the film In a World, which is coming out. Actually, I don't know what the release date is. It looks like it's coming out, uh, still playing the festival circuit. Uh, and so I don't know if it has release date yet, but it's called In a World. Directed, uh, written and directed and starring Lake Bell, who uh, we were chatting about before the show. Uh, you know, an interesting actress who I realized I've seen in some things, but... She's uh, been in a lot of stuff. She's been in a lot of stuff, and uh, but not somebody I've ever really recognized or kind of thought much about, because she's usually kind of a bit player in a lot of the stuff that she's done. But this film that she, like I said, wrote, directed, and stars in, uh, is really, I mean, if it's showing what she can do, I think it's quite an amazing achievement here. She plays a vocal coach who is trying to break into the voiceover world as kind of the movie trailer guy, but nobody wants a, a female movie trailer voice. <laughs> and, and you know, her father is like a, a movie trailer guy. And he is he, a
0: movie trailer guy, yeah. It's
1: just, you know, all this stuff. It's just, it looks like a really fun, quirky indie comedy. I believe it won Best Original Screenplay at Sundance this past year, and uh, I just can't wait to see it. It looks like a lot of fun.
0: It it absolutely does, and I you know I it's such a it's such an interesting thing you know because you think to yourself, gosh, what what industry is left that somebody could make a a movie about? Uh, and the voiceover industry is about the last one I would I would come up with.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not something I was expecting. My friend sent me the link to this and I was like, "Oh, that's must be one of those little YouTube spoofs where people just collect a whole bunch of, you know, voiceover trailer clips and put it all together." Sure enough, it was an actual film and I hadn't heard of it, but it it looks really really clever and uh, a lot of fun.
0: It really does. It's it looks great, like Bell looks great. It uh, and the supporting cast in this movie, it's all that kind of um uh, they're they're just it's today's kind of uh, uh, soft spoken funny men uh, throughout this film. It looks really really good. So uh,
1: yeah, Fred Melamed looks great as her father. He had mm-hmm. that uh, pretty hilarious turn in a serious man. You've got all her clients. Uh, you know, um, uh, Eva Longoria. Eva Longoria is one of yeah. her clients. Yeah, and uh,
0: Eva Longoria. Uh, just put the cork <laughs> back in your mouth and practice, practice the vowels. Your vowels. <laughs> hey, <laughs>
1: Oh, just, just uh, great. Is great! Good sports. So, so that is my trailer. I think it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's uh, hopefully going to get a a, a nice release. Uh, I'd love to see it uh, playing in theaters near me.
0: You should see and, it in and the ones you. that are near you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's playing in a theater near you, maybe I'll you come and come. visit. You
0: should come see it. Um, sure. And but until then, we should also talk about the movie we're going to talk about tonight. We're we're moving into heist movies. Woo-hoo! officially we
1: uh, I feel are like here. we had a
0: little bit of a false start with uh with our our very special episode our transition episode the film board uh for um see I've already forgotten the name of it
1: now you see me
0: talk about a chinese food film mm. um as it well, man yeah street food <laughs> uh it was not good, but that was our intention was to move into heist movies and tonight we are officially doing that we're doing uh the Bank Job, 2008. British crime film directed by Roger. That's Roger with no D because he's using it in his last name, Donaldson. Roger Roger Donaldson.
1: That is right.
0: Uh, Now, this was an interesting film. Stars uh, Jason Statham. It's based on a true story, the Baker Street Robbery, 1971, uh, in which um, uh, money and many, many, many valuable things were stolen from a vault.
1: And naughty things
0: <laughs> and naughty things govna uh were stolen from a vault in a very clever way and never retrieved uh, Absolutely. what do you, what do you, what do we think of this movie now that you've you watched again you I think you were the one who threw this one on the list yeah I thought it was an interesting pick
1: i have so much fun watching this movie i think it's a really interesting story jason statham is not somebody who i watch regularly uh, a lot of his high octane action movies i've just never really been that interested
0: what about in- crank two <laughs>
1: not on my list crank is list. actually
0: high. crank one is high on my list crank two i, mean, is not- I, I haven't you, seen either you go ahead
1: I, you know, maybe I'll watch him one day. I just, I usually don't get into those quite as much. But um, there was something about this film and maybe it was just the really kick-ass 70s style movie poster that uh, drew me in. But I watched it and I just had so much fun watching the story. Not that the film is just like a fun Ocean's Eleven type of, of robbery story. It definitely is kind of a, I mean, it's based on a true story. It definitely goes down a kind of a dark road. But it's a really, it's cleverly told. I think that Roger Donaldson handles a very large cast really well. I have a a very easy time following all the different people that come into play over the course of the film. I enjoy how much of a spider's web this story becomes because of the robbery and all of these different people that we're meeting at the beginning of the film, how all of this kind of turns into this just you know quagmire that these robbers now have to get out of because of this robbery that they've that they've done. The robbery isn't the the climax of the film it actually happens midway through the film and then you get to just watch them deal with the repercussions for the rest of it. I really enjoy that. And I enjoy the fact that Jason Statham went to do something that actually was a little more out of the the norm for what he'd been doing. I really enjoy watching him in this film. I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, I think the cast is great and you know it's a it's a really enjoyable heist film.
0: I could not agree more. I think it is uh I think it's fantastic and I can't, I don't think we can underscore uh enough what this movie pulls off. Like even if you don't like and I, I think there there are some reviews come up saying that that you know the movie's a little bit plastic, you know, it's a you know some of the characters are um you know it's a little bit uh a little bit plastic. But what you can't miss is, is just as you say, the way Donaldson and the, the the writing team architected this film in such a way to present an extraordinarily complex true story in a way that you can actually follow, in a yeah. way that when you hit the end, when you hit that climactic scene in the alley uh, and, uh, spoiler, they everybody, you know, the, those who are left alive get off and walk away, uh, the, the ones we care about. Mm-hmm. When that happens, you realize, oh my goodness, I can put the whole thing together in my head. I see how this works, I see how all the pieces fit together, and I buy it. Mm-hmm. I totally buy it. I don't think we can we we can underscore that enough. And and so, um, you know, I wonder, should we should we walk through the the major pieces?
1: Yeah, I suppose we should as uh, in as much as we can try to explain a complex weaving story like this. But yeah, yeah, sure.
0: Well, it all it 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 centers on the the movie starts with uh, an act of a a series of acts of photography. Uh, And (laughs) uh, um, and so we have this uh, princess. uh, What's her name? Margaret.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Princess Margaret.
0: And she is.
1: She was the scallywag.
0: She was the scallywag. That is uh, that is true. She she was in the uh, in in uh, a compromising position and photographed yeah. uh, by, um, well, at the time uh, a guy. We you know we don't. Yeah, you know, we, we find don't out. Know, we find out later. So we have these photographs, and then we see some more photographs being taken, right? More naughty photographs, and this time of uh, upstanding um, older British gentlemen who probably should know better, but repeatedly, as we learn through life, older white men who are largely British in films are usually doing something like this.
1: Yes, who are heads of government. Who are heads of government. (laughs) (laughs) Or political positions, (laughs) yes. What (laughs) is
0: it that we need to learn from here? Everybody's got their thing. (laughs) And so everybody's getting picture taken of themselves. And then uh, we meet...
1: Terry. Terry. Terry Leather.
0: All right. So go ahead. You Now what, you're what a name. Where, where are you going to pick up?
1: So so Terry, we meet Terry, who is uh, running a car garage, but clearly not necessarily doing things the right way all the time, as we learn very quickly when some thugs come and start smashing car windows and denting his cars because he owes somebody money. So we quickly learn that you know he's not in a great place; he's trying to make right, but he's you know he's struggling and probably had been a criminal or at right. least dealing with you know the wrong crowd. He ends up meeting up with a former model, Martine Love, played by saffron Burroughs, who uh tells him she's got this job, and we find out you know that she, you know th- through the long thing why she why she's how she came to this job but basically long and the short of it is she offers this job to rob this bank to terry and his friends uh kevin and dave along with some other people they bring on board basically the idea of this bank robbery is this bank on baker street has an issue with i, I can't remember with the the train running by where every time it does the alarms, the alarms go off, go off right of vibration right. so they're planning on replacing the the alarm system and it's going to be, the alarm system is going to be down for a whole weekend. So these guys rent the shop a couple doors down called Lesac, a, like a leather purse store. And from the basement of that, they create a tunnel about 40 or 50 feet, I think, uh, under the Chicken Inn restaurant in between uh, Lesac and the bank over to the bank vault. And they the plan is they're going to pop up into the vault, steal everything out of all the safety deposit boxes and make out with all of their loot and they do but I'll let you take over now
0: well at the, you know we should we should say that the you know the reason that they are it, you know, that they have this is because they have information about which vault these photos are supposedly um, in mm-hmm. and as it turns out when they get in there and martine goes straight to vault uh, number 118, 118. Uh, she uh, pulls out not just the photos of Prince Margaret, but a whole lot of other photos. And now we know uh, about the brothel. At this point, we now have a connection between the vault and this uh, brothel, and where all of the uh, the British heads of state are getting their hanky-panky mm-hmm. on. And so now we have this connection between... Um, uh, oh, gosh, did we we should talk about Michael X?
1: Yeah, Michael X, who's kind of right. the... British uh, uh, Malcolm X wannabe this right. kind of a slumlord thug who Is the one who we find out was taking pictures of Princess Margaret down in the Caribbean and has them stashed away in his in his vault and and When he gets caught for doing other things in uh, uh, In England he basically has this as a free pass and doesn't go to jail is able to leave the country All this sort of stuff. So there's very suspicious stuff going on with this
0: Michael X. Right. And so he's the one who's been collecting photos of everybody. Uh, And uh, then we have this other character, Lou Vogel, who's a a British pornographer who has been paying off the police so he can stay out of trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this all of these guys and his um, he had a ledger of his police payoffs. Yeah. In the vault. So the the team, Terry's team, at the center of all this, has actually uncovered a whole web of pornography, of uh, British royal uh, scallywagism. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, of... Although I believe I believe all the. The men, I think they were. Their photos were in the vault of the brothel owner Sonia. Right, right, right. That's yeah. a good. That's a good point. Right. Uh,
0: so, so we have Sonia. Uh, we have um, uh, the. We have Michael X. We have it, all this is a uh, Vogel. They're all uh, uncovered in the robbery of the vault, along with um, you know four million pounds uh, of <laughs> jewels and money that was uh, you know a, a, what do we say at least a hundred of the um, of the vault owners never came forward uh, out of the 300-some-odd to, to, c- to claim, yeah, there right. Or to even say still, what was in it. To even say what it. was oh, in yeah. it, right.
1: Yeah, and um, that was 1971 dollars, yes. which I think today I saw a figure, it was closer to... It would have been like, you know, 40 million pounds or something like that. Right. I mean, it's it's quite... Quite a chunk of money.
0: So we're likely not doing it justice, but suffice it to say, we have this vault at the center of our little uh, uh, film mind map here. We have Terry robbing the vault, and then everybody, uh, you know, from all this, uh, uh, from these different angles of the story, is coming. They're all coming after Terry to get these things back. So Terry's in a very difficult position, and he uh, he has discovered the the porn ring. ledger he's discovered the pictures of margaret they need to get back to the state so he makes a deal with the royalty to give the pictures back them uh to get the ledger back to lou vogel and and to really resolve this thing and that's how that's where it comes to a climax where we you know we think there's no way he can make good on all of the deals that he has made with these various uh, and sundry um you know criminals Uh, right and and yet miraculously he does and uh, the timing seems to work out. He only has to he 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 you know throws a couple of punches and kicks a guy. He throws a brick once, throws but, a brick. Yeah. But it's absolutely as you said, it's absolutely not a Jason Statham action staple sequence. It's uh, it's very much a you know, you know, here's a British guy who's a British criminal who's scrappy. Uh, yeah. I like that a lot.
1: I think that is one of the most enjoyable things about this is that I don't feel like I'm watching a Jason Statham film. Right. I think I'm watching. I mean, it really feels like a, a period uh, period piece about a, a crime. And it, it, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of uh, just intrigue and plot twists and just everything going on in the film. It just it feels like a well-constructed story that just happens to have Jason Statham
0: in it. You know, there's, I would add clumsiness. Right. I mean, there is this there's a sense of clumsiness in these criminals who are not criminals. Right. I right, mean, right. We, as you said, you know, there the, you get a sense that there is some shadiness going on. Right. Like, you know, he's he's into a loan shark, potentially w- whatever. Uh, one of the one of the guys is a, you know, is a porn actor. Um, but this idea that, you know, when when the lookout drops the walkie talkie mm-hmm. uh, at a terrible moment. Right. Uh, it, You know, there is this, there's a sense that, I, I mean, I bought it. I didn't buy it as like a slapstick, oh God, another one of these things. But I right. bought it as a, Um, yeah, I can totally see that happening. Yeah. Uh, sort of a, a sense of realism. I think they played off really, really well. None of it seemed over the top to me in terms of an, a storyline that could easily have been over the top.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that speaks to the smartness of the screenwriters, Dick Clement and Ian LaFrenet, who wrote this script. Based on the true story, but in a large part of it, it's very speculative. They there is you know they did have a uh, one of the producers. I need to find his name. Um, it was I just had it here. Uh, oh, I'll find it in a minute. But one of the producers supposedly George MacIndoe. He had actually met some of the robbers back in the seventies, and had been basically trying to get this story told since then. Now, he had gotten a lot of, you know, what what they say is the truth th- um, from the, the supposed bank robbers. And a lot of that came out in this story. But, you know, for intents and purposes, it's not none of this is really proven. I mean, there are elements of truth in this. Michael X did kill Gale down in, where is it, Trinidad and and did end up getting um, hung for that crime. The robbery happened, this whole walkie talkie bit with this, this, uh, you know, ham radio operator who right. happens to tune into them. All of that really happened. There's a lot of truth in here, but a lot of it, especially the stuff dealing with the photos and what was, what was stolen, you know, I guess you could say it's speculative, but I think that's what I enjoy about the film so much is because, I mean, it really comes across as a true story. I buy everything that's going on in this as the truth. Now, it, I guess in a way, it speaks to the nature of film <clears throat> and what it's doing when it's telling you a quote-unquote true story. Are we buying it just because of that fact? I mean, these guys tell it really well, and it makes it makes it a tale that I can believe. But, you know, it, we don't really know what happened. So I, I think it's interesting what is really going on in a, in a story when they say it's a true story. And, you know, I, I think we've talked about this in the past, what are the filmmakers' responsibilities when they're telling you this is a true
0: story? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, this is not like... um, uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much judgment we should have on that responsibility when we're looking at a story where there is so much, obviously, that we will never know.
1: Yeah, right. But, you know, they are... I mean, they could very likely be uh, in trouble for... For basically saying that this princess was off right. you know, cavorting, Venus, and, cavorting yeah. in in the Caribbean with right. uh, with other people and just all this sort of stuff, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it it seems it seems like a possibility to me, but uh, you know, I I haven't looked into Princess Margaret's history to know how much of a scallywag she really was, but you know, I bought into
0: it. <laughs> Is this that is, wrong of me? I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't know. Uh I you know it's I, I'm I'm actually I'm looking up royal princess royal scandal and the sad life of princess margaret. How, <laughs> it sounds like nobody really has a lot to say about yeah. the- uh, good about the sad life of princess Margaret. uh but again I who knows the the whole uh the bottom line is this movie is uh, really well put together a uh, smartly architected film and it uh, the pacing is just terrific uh, there aren't too many uh storylines to keep um, that you can't keep up so uh, and they all converge well at the end there are a lot of of really interesting characters that that um, uh, you know that each get a nice share of the screen time this isn't a, a statham vehicle by any stretch i don't think um, it's- no and
1: that's and that speaks to roger donaldson and his casting you know this film it has over 70 speaking roles Yep. i mean that's a lot for a film to carry that many speaking roles and you really have to cast a film right when you have that many people talking they because they they need to be identifiable so when an audience member Sees a different person on screen that has come up maybe only once a long time ago early in the film They're able to go. Oh, yeah, that was that person they're able to connect to that very quickly and very easily and You need to find different faces. You need to find the right people to carry the role And I think they did uh, just a spot-on job with all of these people they I I buy every one of them in their roles
0: Absolutely, absolutely agree. You want to walk through, I mean, oh, uh, beyond Jason Statham, who else uh, stands out to you as the, the guys who really, or the folks in this film who really uh, kind of steal it?
1: You know, for me, the next one uh, is actually Richard Lintern, which uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. He plays the um the, the main guy on the, uh, the MI5, who is the one who uh, basically gets Martine, Saffron Burroughs' character, to find these criminals to, to create this crime. I enjoy watching him so much. There's something about his presence that I found um, just, it, it does feel like he feels like the sort of guy who would work for a government and would be involved in, in cover-ups and things like that. I, I don't know if that's fair to say about anyone, but I really bought that about him. I think he covers things up really well
0: you know it's interesting because i it's it's uh I, I would add he's a guy who covers things up on assignment you know what i mean like yeah. there is this sense that um you know i think what he plays off so well is this idea that he is a hired uh you know he's he's a hired dog in this case right i mean he's yeah. he is he's told that his job is to make all of this go away with a single point of failure. So if everything goes wrong, he can cut relationships with one person and there is no connection to MI6 or mm-hmm. wherever it is. And he just, uh, he he really, I think, is compelling to watch um, the way he, he orchestrates this whole thing. I totally agree with you.
1: Um, and, and there's something about his, um, there's almost this, <laughs> it's like this, knowing smile that he has as he's dealing with this sort of stuff. Like, it's not quite a here-we-go-again sort of vibe I get from him, but it's it's almost like he's not really surprised, you know? Like, yeah. when he sees the photos, he's yeah. like, oh, 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 boy. Yeah. Again? Right. <laughs> again? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really just enjoy that about him. So he stands out, and then I have to say, David Suchet as Lou Vogel, I think, is uh, just a really great, creepy, uh, porn King. I think he does such a great job as this porn King who, who, uh, is after the guys once they steal his ledger.
0: Totally, totally agree. He is so good.
1: And what's great about him is he is somebody that a lot of people probably know. I don't know if maybe not over here in the States, but he is, he is for Many many people. He is Poirot, Agatha Christie's uh, right. Poirot. That's what he is so recognizable for, and it's so funny to see him as this just terribly, just evil, evil porn king. And he's so good at it. I just love him in the role.
0: I I totally agree. I you know the um, I, I love I love that he's passing a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah. such a nice touch.
1: Again, going back yeah. to the writers, all these little touches that they have, yeah. things like that really help you identify with these characters oh, all truly. the way through. And the line that, uh, that David throws out when, when he's being tortured by Lou's, uh, by Lou Vogel's, uh, you know, torture guys, mm-hmm. he, His he sees tor- that torture, torture guys, torture guys. Yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah, they're on their business cards.
0: That's right. Torture guys.
1: Uh, he, he sees him taking the pill for his kidney stones and he's like, "Oh, God, this I got kidney stones." He's like, right "Oh, I now. could use yeah, I could use one of those right now." You know, great little moments yeah. like that. Because I mean, Dave still in a weird way maybe kind of looks up to Vogel because he's the guy who gave him his, the job in the porn films. So.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's a sequence to me I got one of the uh, uh the uh, scenes to me that I think really stood out is when um uh, uh, Terry goes home. Yeah. Uh and we have the scene with with his wife Julie played by Casey Batrip Batrip uh, Batrip, uh That's it. That's what anyway. I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sounds she, good. You know, that's one of those sequences the confrontation the spousal confrontation sequences that I really have, have come to like so much recently, you know, after uh, particularly after our discussion of network and uh, and I think this is one where she does a, just a fantastic reaction. Uh, to him, you know, it's this that that whole sequence of her saying, you know, I I stood by you, I never gave you up, and I think that is that was a really powerful moment. And she's she's only in the film just a few minutes, but uh, uh, but I really liked her her role in there. Although I think
1: you're talking about Keely Hawes, who
0: really? played his wife. Oh, Julie was yes. the daughter. You're, you're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, the, that's right, yeah, that's, Keely Hawes. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, Keely Hawes.
1: Yeah, who, um, who really I, I yeah. felt so much uh, emotion coming out of her through the film. I think she really, that was another thing I found really interesting. And I don't know why I should find this interesting, but in a Jason Statham film, just the fact that he had a spouse. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it struck me as, oh, that's really interesting. I mean, it's based on a true story, I guess, but I just love the fact that he had a wife. He was dealing with marriage troubles just like anyone else and, and was working to make it work. And I really enjoyed that element of the story.
0: You know, I did too, and I I also like the uh, the way they played that. Uh, that we uh, when did we find out he had a spouse? Do you remember? It was
1: it was pretty early on. It was. But was it, it
0: before or after he he has his first meeting with Martine, and you know you can tell that there's history there and an invitation, and I, I think it was after that.
1: I. I... I think it was after. Well, no, he. I think he's on the the phone with her, isn't he? Because he Wendy. he says, "I'm going to go," uh, or she says, "Have fun." At the, I, I feel like his wife says something about you know, have fun at the. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're at right. the, you know.
0: Well, and that was that. Party. I think was was so. Uh, I, I think that was so nice that there was, um, you know, in this case, there was complexity there, and that he was. We know that he is. Uh, something of a, uh, you know, screw up, but he wasn't a screw up in his relationship. Yeah. You know, that was, there was fidelity there, uh, you know, in spite of the fact that he's robbing a bank, uh, uh he was,
1: there ends up being infidelity, there, there. ends up <laughs> being
0: a little bit of infidelity, but he ends yeah. up doing a, doing, doing right by his family. And I thought that yeah. was, that was a, a nice, a nice bit.
1: Well and you know in speaking to that I I really did enjoy Saffron Burroughs in this film and I enjoyed her dealing with her feelings about the different people in the film cuz it was it was brought up a couple times that she and Kevin played by Stephen Campbell Moore had kind of had a thing a long time ago back when they were all young and uh, Kevin always kind of felt like there was more. She kind of never really wanted to go any further. But as she said at one point in the film, it was always you, Terry. She clearly always right. has had this thing for Terry and may have gone away with him if he said that he would. But right. she even acknowledges to the wife. And I found that scene really pretty powerful when she goes and actually, you know, in her way is kind of apologizing to Wendy saying, you know, I, I would have gone away with him if if he said yes but he said no he wanted to be with you right uh, just a tough relationship sort of moment that again not the sort of thing that i was really expecting in a heist film
0: no i absolutely it was uh, that you're talking about the the closing uh yeah. goodbye scene right 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 where uh you know i think he he had said at one point where are you going and she says uh, saffron burroughs says you know i'll tell you if you'll come with me Right. Uh you know it's it it's a wonderful kind of um uh, relationship transition that uh, where where we get that awareness that he is he's going to remain faithful. Yeah. It's it's yeah. beautifully done. It really is. Uh let's see the torture scene uh what what was that thing? Some sort of a I
1: you know I read somewhere I I I didn't know what it was both times that I watched the film amazing but amazing hair dryer terrified me <laughs> because it was frightening. It looked like it was erasing reality <laughs> as it <laughs> across that wooden panel. I mean really I'm like that is the last thing I ever want to be tortured with. I was reading somewhere. I it sounds like it's just a sandblaster. Well, I don't yeah, it, yeah,
0: I I don't know. It was like, uh, like I see clearly. I was raised with like just no experience with life, you know, and tools. <laughs> and so I I see these things and I think there's there's no way that's real. <laughs> that was there's just no way. That's <sighs> not a thing uh tortured i what anyway i i can't i can't find it was something like heat it was like a hair dryer thing was is it the thing you 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 take off paint from cars or something yeah
1: that's right exactly
0: oh it was it was horrible they just they like you say they just erased his ankle
1: yeah it was pretty awful
0: that was horrible (laughs) yeah uh not too not too gruesome but horrible
1: it's it shows you just enough and then it cuts away from it yeah. and it just puts it into your head in the worst way because all you can do is think about it.
0: You know the worst. It was actually worse watching him destroy, you know, like erase the door to the. Yeah, to knowing the that was. About but, to yeah, happen. that was that. That's the one that actually I find myself thinking about more than yeah. the foot.
1: And it does, It looks like it's just wiping it. From Absolutely, the foot does. He's <laughs> just erasing it.
0: oh it was bad news yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. okay so who else do you want to talk about as we uh, go through here any of the lord what was the name of the main uh, uh, Tim's boss Uh, I don't know these Um, they're all
1: that was oh I know who that was is that Peter Uh, Bowles
0: I think it was Peter Bowles
1: I don't know I'll... I I quite uh, yeah I think you're right. It was Peter Bowles.
0: I I quite like uh I, I quite like his performance um mostly because uh, of his uh, ability to play uh y- you know try to be completely sophisticated but know that he has no control over anything that's going on outside that office uh and because he set up the primary rule set that there should be only one connection in Tim. Uh, that it, you know the information that he was getting was uh, was was not enough, and it just made him sort of bumbling. And I I, I like that because you could tell he wanted to have more control, he wanted to have more. Uh, but I, I I immensely enjoyed those scenes where they are called to task for their prior indis- indiscretions. That that's always immensely satisfying.
1: I also thought that you know his performance in the moment when. The photos are presented to him by Tim. Yes, and we realize they're not the photos he was expecting of the <laughs> princess, but they're the photos of him in flagrante delecto <laughs> right. uh, being whipped or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> the him, reaction, him and his buddy. On,
1: that's right. The reaction on his face, the way that he plays that, it's like a moment of surprise and then and then he he just adapts to it and keeps moving on. I'm like, yeah. "Man, he's good." He's <laughs> so good. God, no wonder he's the executive director yeah. of MI5. <laughs>
0: yep. I saw this coming. <laughs> yep. Oh, it was great. Was I, you know,
1: oh, just those moments. I tell you, I feel that the script and, you know, I can't remember what Dick and Ian uh had done in the past. I know they've done a number of uh, British oh, a lot of TV shows. And then uh, they've done some, uh, some films together. They did Flushed Away, that animated film that came out a few years before this. And gosh, going back, looks like they've done quite a bit with Tracy Ullman. Oh, The Commitments. They wrote The Commitments, which yeah. was, I think, one of my favorite British films from the early 90s. I really enjoyed that film.
0: Oh, Never Say Never Again. Uncredited. Oh.
1: Uncredited, yeah, reworking
0: on that one, yeah. but
1: you know, I I just feel that there was so much going on in this script, and to find as many small character moments as they found for all these characters in the film, and obviously the actors playing them, but I I feel like these guys really hit it out of the park with this script.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I you know, and I I want to say I I should say, um, for the script to me and i'm not i'm not saying that the film is is perfect but the script to me seems perfect and i mean perfect like a perfect triangle you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's perfect uh in that the you know all of the elements that i usually complain about are in the right places in this film and it makes it so satisfying to watch and when it ends you feel uh, you feel really full. You feel good about, uh, at least I, I feel good about what I saw. Not, not everything, uh, you know, always works all the time. Right. Uh, it, But, but I have a hard time complaining about this film. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, what do you think about the, uh, you know, we dip into the cinematography a little bit of the film. Um you know, how the, the, um, how the camera moves, particularly, particularly in the, um, uh, when they're actually robbing the bank. I, you know, I, I kept trying to come away with something that was, um, a cinematography by Michael Coulter, um, uh, coming away with something really smart to say about how the camera moves and, you, you know, how the, the kind of uh, the image actually stands up on screen. And I didn't, I, I, I was unmoved in that area.
1: I, you know, I don't think it's anything that's showy and I don't think Roger Donaldson as a director uh, who I believe has worked with, um, his, the cinematographer, um, Michael Coulter, I think they've worked together a few times, but I, I think that he's a director who is very competent at making films that are great genre films. They work well for the genre. They're not always the greatest films, but within the genre, I think he's hitting the right points, and I think he's a director who makes a film that, uh, I mean, it, it's it, they're effective films. I mean, Species, not the greatest film, but it was a very effective, you know, kind of an alien horror film. 13 Days, on the <laughs> other hand, I mean... Is a very effective drama, and I think actually that might be one of his best films. I, you're laughing. I'm laughing about but, something else.
0: Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to to talk about that. I I um I don't know. I, Thirteen Days was not one that that stuck with me, but I'll tell you one that m- that may surprise you. Uh, was 1987's No Way Out. I love that film. I right. mean, I love
1: I love the memory of the film. I haven't seen it probably since the late right. 80s early 90s but i was blown away by that film which it's is why film.
0: i don't want to watch it again ever because that maybe i completely have i've have completely repressed so <laughs> many of kevin 2 by 4 costner's films but as soon as i saw this one in donaldson's list i thought i i've got to come clean i remember loving this movie
1: yeah i do too i actually have this on my Sean on my young
0: jean hat are you kidding
1: uh-huh. i know i know it's on my netflix queue it's one that i i do want to watch again and, don't do uh, it. and check it out don't i'm do i'm it.
0: gonna i i have to oh, i god don't ruin it i know it. i know you always screw it up like that you know we've done this too many times <laughs> i know it happens way too many times but <laughs> oh um I'm, I'm i'll think about it
1: i'll think about it you know i'm gonna have to watch cocktail again he another film he directed it's in my it's in my giant tom cruise thing I'm going through. I have
0: I I, I uh, uh I, I have no problem with cocktail. I'm not kidding. I have zero problem. You know what? Because when it's it starts uh with the tagline. When he pours, he runs. <laughs> That's right. I'm and it ends, it ends with Elizabeth Shue. Please. <laughs> I, I could not this is I grew up in, to be and Tom in the middle, Cruise in cocktail. And in the middle there's Kokomo. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Uh, I have good I'm memories of Cocktail. I haven't seen it since uh, since late eighties, early nineties. Again, Damn. I had the soundtrack though on on cassette, and I burned that thing up <laughs> by playing it so much. <laughs> oh man!
0: So uh, to your to your point about Roger Donaldson, I feel like I uh, I derailed you a little bit.
1: No, but but really, I mean he's he is an effective director. He makes films that I think are effective for the genres in which they are in. And this is a fantastic genre uh, heist film. But I think he's kind of stepped out a little bit with this. And he does from time to time. Because of the script of this one, I think there's so much more meat to it. But Roger Donaldson isn't a director who I think you could watch a film and go, oh, that's a Roger Donaldson film. He's not one of these... Um, he's an Australian-born uh, filmmaker who's from New Ze- who I think he lives in New Zealand. Um, he's not a filmmaker from down there that stands out like George Miller or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. He's not who you think of when you think of great Australian directors, but he is a very effective director who makes effective films. And I think, you know, going back to the cinematography, which is how we got onto that. I think the cinematography, I think the tone they took with it, kind of that desaturated tone, um, the costume design and production design in this, I think is spot on perfect. I love everything about the look of this film. It feels straight out of the late sixties, early seventies, And I think Michael Coulter captures the look of it very well and very effectively. I don't think there's anything showy at all about the filmmaking style, but I think it's very effective.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I guess I should. I, I sounds like I'm a downer on it. I guess I, I, you know, I am only in the sense that you know you're right. There, there is nothing showy about it, and that, that likely, um, you know, is what allows me a, a more intimate relationship with the, the, you know, what's going on on screen. Uh, there's nothing distracting about it, I should say. Um, yeah, uh, you know, to its credit, I. Um, I, I liked the the uh, I, I liked the music, but again, this is not one that I'm I'm going to run out for the uh, soundtrack for.
1: It works. I I think it works really well in the context of the film. Exactly. It's, it, it's elemental,
0: yeah, foundational music.
1: Yeah, it's uh, again, you know, Roger Donaldson jumping in with J. Peter Robinson, who he's worked with on a, a number of films uh, previously, including Cocktail.
0: Well, well, see, all the more reason I need to see that again. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm getting close to cocktail in my Tom Cruise series. <laughs> I, I've made it to legend and Netflix. It just it's it's in the, uh, you know, short wait list. and uh. I, I've stuck with it. So waiting for legend to arrive.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about uh, numbers and flick chart this thing.
1: Yeah. The numbers on this film, it did uh, pretty well for the, for itself. The budget was 20 million Princeton Advertising another fifteen million, so total budget thirty-five million, and it made domestically here in the states thirty million and internationally almost thirty-five million. So it made its money back. It did well for itself. It made per minute per finished minute. It was one hundred and ten minutes, two hundred and seventy-one thousand four hundred sixty-one dollars per finished minute. And where
0: does that put it in? um, You know what comes before and after that?
1: It it's uh, again. With none of these taking uh, into account any sort of inflation, all the president's men is immediately before it, and Leon is immediately afterward. <laughs> so, there <laughs> you go. It beat out Scoop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. All, so right. You all you right. You can't argue with that, right? No, you really you really can't. Know anything <laughs> be beat Rush. Did it beat Rush? Mm. Uh, yes. uh okay, so let's uh, uh let's let's flick chart this thing. Let's see where this thing lands. Yeah. Flick chart, you can find us at flickchart.com slash uh the next reel. And that's where we have our running list of ranked films that we have talked about on the show. We're we're racing, we're at a breakneck pace to our top one hundred, mm-hmm. which will be a top one hundred as soon as we get to one hundred and one.
1: That's right, that's right. Uh That's right. Can't wait to
0: get Rush off that list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One last little bit before we flick chart it that I uh, forgot to mention. I don't think that we think about this very often, but uh, as Americans, but when we're watching a British film and, you know, this definitely still holds true for a film that takes place in Britain in 1971, I don't think we think much about what it is when a gangster pulls a gun out on a person but we have to remember in England there like guns are banned it's very rare for people to have guns and so that scene at the end when the that gangster uh guy or the, the whatever he is the bad rogue yeah. cop pulls that gun out on Terry it's i mean it is a complete surprise that somebody would actually pull a gun out on you now maybe it's not as much a surprise in the criminal world because you know they are criminals they are doing bad things like maybe owning guns but still, <laughs> it's, it's not something that I think is regularly expected. It's more likely, you know, a billy club or a cat of nine tails or right. I don't know what they're saying. Like, no. tails. <laughs> no, what? I know that I played that out. I just had to come up with something crazy. <laughs> well, I can't or have a gun. A so... Spiked
0: collar or maybe some fuzzy handcuffs or. Stop.
1: <laughs> fuzzy handcuffs. Look at that is that all right ready to flick chart it do it bank job or the girl with the dragon tattoo
0: wow are you getting a call from space (laughs) that's
1: right i'm getting my my morse code (laughs) message from space yeah sorry
0: um this is i uh, it's ironic that this would be the first one i'm already having a hard time with it
1: i i actually feel like i would go with the bank job i i feel like i find it a much more of a just a breakneck pace watching it. I mean, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a very enjoyable film, but it's a film, I I still feel like I may prefer the Swedish version over this one. And so I feel like I would go with the bank job on this one.
0: All right. I I agree with you. And I I agree with you, actually, for that last reason more than anything else. I I deeply enjoy watching that, but I think I'm conflicted by enough by the fact that it was such a recent remake and the Swedish version is so strong.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Marathon Man
0: Bank, bank job. Yeah.
1: I agree. Oh, here we go. Getting up in there. The bank job or the treasure of the Sierra Madre? <laughs>
0: mm.
1: I got to go with the Sierra Madre. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, the bank job or Dark City?
0: Dark City. Ah,
1: See, I think I would go with the bank job. I'm torn on that one. You know I love the Dark
0: City. You know it, Andy.
1: I know. I Okay. I will go with Dark City because... The Bank Job is an amazing heist film, but it is a genre heist film still. Dark City is really, truly unique and something that I don't think I had seen before.
0: I didn't even have to do any work on that one. I know you didn't. Well well said, Andy. I agree.
1: <laughs> Let's go with Dark City. The Bank Job or When Harry Met Sally.
0: You're going to go Harry and Sally. Aren't
1: this you? is one of those ones where it really is a mood thing for me. I, I really You're, could go either way on this one.
0: I'm I'm going bank job, uh, and maybe it is a mood thing. Maybe it's because I'm so rarely in and <laughs> Sally, <it's Ellie>, romance <laughs> mood anymore. I'm not. I, I I just what what does that say about you? I that's my problem. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Luckily, I my wife doesn't <laughs> doesn't listen to the show.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll go to the bank job. Okay. Uh oh, here's a tough one: the bank job or the outlaw Josie Wales?
0: Oh. Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to say Josie Wales um, because of its role in pivoting a genre. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, uh, I, I was going to go with Josie Wales, so I'm glad I didn't have to twist your arm on that one. Yeah.
0: No, I think so, too.
1: All right. Bank job. Number 20 out of 93. Nice.
0: Well done, Jason. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Uh, and next week we're going to continue our Jason Statham series, right? With Crank. <laughs> <two>. <laughs> oh, two. you, money guy.
1: Uh, right. y- y- this, yada. Was,
0: uh, this was good. Well, what we're going to do? What are we going to do next week?
1: Well this is the first of our heist series and we still would love to hear from all of you what are some of your favorite heist films? We want to know what uh what uh Well, people that wait, did you put say. the
0: did you put the thing up last week?
1: I did post a question up on Facebook so you can go to Facebook. I'll post it again yeah. up there. If you have any fav- uh, favorite heist films that we're not covering, let us know or even if the ones that we're covering are your favorites, let us know. We're, we're we'd love to hear from you. We're so we're starting with the bank job which we just discussed. Next week we're going to be doing The Town. Ben Affleck's uh, second film. Then we're going to jump to Inside Man and follow it up with The Killing.
0: Oh, man. I see. I like all those movies a lot. Yeah, A lot of great stuff. I think people are going to be a little... I, I think they're, uh, the town is divisive.
1: Of all of the ones on our list, I think it's it may be the most divisive.
0: And, I think know. it's because people have the Affleck thing. They is have
1: it the a- a-
0: Affleck? They're afflicted. They're afflicted. Uh, they're
1: afflicted. <laughs> <laughs> if it's
0: some sort of afflictation. I'm sure that's in the DSM 5. <laughs> am sure it is. Do you have the afflectation syndrome?
1: I'm sure it is. Yeah, is. I'm just sure of it.
0: <laughs> in a world that's all affleck all the time. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022.